Welcome to the Live Point Podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. We hope you're inspired by this message. Yes. Praise the Lord. Wow. Would you stand to your feet? Stand to your feet with me. My name's Jared Neiman. It's a privilege. It's an honor to be here today at your amazing church. You all are electric. I am telling you. Can I bottle you up and take you home with me? I love this vibe here. And uh, I'm so grateful to, to Pastor Richard and Janet, the rocket. And it's great to meet Grace, who is going off, and she's going to be a world-class surgeon, aren't you? That is going to be amazing. Uh, how many of you love Jesus this morning? How many of you are so glad God is on your side today? Come on, lift your hands towards heaven. Let's pray. Father, we honor you. We glorify you. We thank you for who you are and what you do. Lord, in this church today, we know that your presence is with us. And where your presence is, there is a fullness of love, joy, peace, happiness, wisdom, and hope. So, Lord, we invite your presence not just into this room, but into our hearts and minds. Fill us with your truth. Heal us, strengthen us, deliver us. God, you are more than enough to meet any need that someone may be facing today. In your church today, Lord, we declare by faith that we will not be robbed of the fulfillment of your promise. Your promise is yes. And amen for us, for our families, for our kids, for our businesses, for our careers, our finances, our bodies, our future, our church, and for our city. We will not fall short. We will live the way you want us to live because you are more than enough. And we believe, Lord, as your word says, that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, on the count of three, let's give God the biggest shout of praise. One, two, three. Come on, life point. Praise God. All right, say hi to the people around you. You can be seated. It really has been awesome to be here uh, with you're amazing pastor, and I just believe with all my heart that the greatest days of this church are in front of you. I, I, I believe that God has a huge vision for this church. I, I'm just so expectant that your families, your friends, your coworkers in the coming weeks, months, and years are going to come into a relationship with God. God is going to use you as the light in their darkness. And those invites that have previously been no are going to turn to yeses, and they're going to come into this church. If everyone brings one, we'll be building a new building in a couple years. You know what I'm saying? Um, many years ago, I uh, studied the peace of God for myself. I struggled for years with anxiety, with crippling insomnia, even with addiction. And then as I became a pastor, I struggled trying to counsel people. 
There's been a frustration in Christianity. We know that God is the God of peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. We hear scripture after scripture about peace, and yet, too often, peace is missing from our own lives. We know that through this pandemic, people are hurting. Our world is hurting. People who never experienced depression in the last three years are now experiencing it. 80% of Americans say that they deal with some type of regular anxiety. Suicide is through the roof. Self-hatred is through the roof. Panic attacks through the roof. Addiction through the roof. Family violence through the roof. But we don't have to live that way. Colossians 3 verse 15 says that you are called to live a life of peace. You have a calling on your life, and it is to live in peace. And five, six years ago, I taught a message called The Missing Peace, and it exploded in our church. And to be honest with you, it's like it wouldn't go away. And thousands heard it. The, the teaching was, the links were shared all over the world. And during the pandemic, a friend of mine in the church, he said, Jared, you need to write the book called The Missing Peace. I was like, no, I don't. I'm not an author. I'm a pastor trying to survive a shutdown. And he was like, well, that means you got plenty of time. I was like, man, darn friends with your logic and reasonable solutions. That's not why you're my friend. No, just kidding. Um, and so I wrote this book, and it's called The Missing Peace. And I, I say this with all humility, but it's a fantastic book, and it's anointed by God, and it's helping thousands of people. And uh, in our church, we have hundreds of people who have bought the book, and then they come back and buy four or five. Uh, we've had multiple people come buy a hundred of them and give them out, and they're shipping them around the world because it's a book that empowers you to not have the peace of God missing anymore. It empowers you to grab onto it and apply it into your life. So I, we brought some. I hope you'll buy them. We even have specials, uh, buy two, get the third one half off, buy four, get the fifth one free. If you want to buy them for your family or coworkers or just sow seed into people's life, I'd love to meet you out there when the service is over. Let's get in the word. Okay. Well, thank you for that. So the night Jesus was born, I want you to think about this for a moment. The night Jesus was born, the angel of the Lord declares what? Peace on earth. And isn't it amazing how we just blow right past that because of familiarity, and we never stop and think, huh, of all the things God could have declared. And can we agree, church, that this was not just another night? This, this isn't just another Thursday, right? This is the night the Messiah was coming through a virgin birth. The pro prophecies are being fulfilled. It's the night that would start a 33-year journey for our Savior, Deliverer, and Redeemer to freely walk up onto a cross and die, go into hell, take the power away from the enemy, and rise once again with victory, freedom, and salvation in his hands. Amen? 
So it's not just another night. This is not just another baby. This is Emmanuel. Right? And God has a message that will be written in the greatest history book ever written, the Bible. And of all the things that God could have declared, and can we agree that he could have declared whatever he wanted? Right? Right? You, you understand that the angel didn't pick the message. God could have declared grace. He could have declared hope. He could have declared freedom. He could have declared redemption. He could have, he could have made up a new word. But of everything that he chose to declare that night, he declared peace on earth, goodwill toward men. We know that God is the God of peace. Jesus is described as the Prince of Peace. And yet for too often, we have not understood or studied or taught what peace is and how to apply it to our lives. Now, I went on a multiple-year study on this, and I'm going to try to explain some of it to you. The book explains it all, okay? The peace of God in your life is surrounding you, and it is coming toward you. The word toward means, and no one can remove it. So from God to you, every day of your life, every moment of your life, no matter what season of life you may be in, from the throne room of God to you is his peace. The question is simply, how do I attain it? How do I apply it to my heart and to my mind and to my life? Okay? So the first thing we have to understand is, what is it? There's five primary definitions in the New Testament from the Greek writing of what peace is. I only have time to give you two, okay? The first one is exactly what you think it is. It is tranquility for your heart and mind. Tranquility for your, it's peace of mind, peace in your heart. It's tranquility for your heart and mind. So, the night Jesus was born, God the Father said, I'm giving you the power and the authority to have peace in your mind. You do not have to be depressed. You do not have to live anxious. You don't have to be ruled by your insecurities. You don't have to walk by fear. You can be free because whom the Son sets free is free indeed. You can sleep and rest. And I'm here to tell you today, and, th and I say this with confidence because every time I preach this, this happens. There will be people in this room that today you will be healed from some of the afflictions that we are talking about. Today, many of you will sleep, you will sleep deep, and you will wake up rested and refreshed in the morning for the first time, and God only knows how long. Many of you today will be free from addiction. Today. For some of you, today will mark a moment in your life where you were on one path, and after today, you will be on a new path, and that will be a path of peace. God wants you to live in tranquility for your heart and mind, but 
The second definition, this is the one that changed my life. It changed my church. Because the peace of God is not just the, the thing that guards against anxiety or depression. Listen to this. The second definition means this. It means health, welfare, prosperity, and every kind of good. Health, welfare, prosperity, and every kind of good. Health, yes, God wants you to live healthy. Physically, mentally, emotionally, financially, relationally. God wants you to live healthy. Amen? Amen. Welfare. God wants you to live well. Praise the Lord. There's 7,000 plus promises in this book, all of which make your life better. And as you've learned this month from your awesome pastor, Every single one of those is sealed by the power of the Holy Spirit, and they are all yes and amen for our lives. God wants you to live well. In prosperity, he wants you to prosper. I know some of you are, oh, here we go. One of those prosperity preachers, huh? Here to manipulate me out of all my money. Ain't no manipulation. Your pastor actually told you during the offering, if you don't want to give, don't. <laughs> ain't, no, ain't no manipulation. No, no. God does want you to prosper, though. You cannot read the Bible and come to any other conclusion. He just wants you to prosper for the right reasons, church. God told Abraham, I will bless you so that you can be a blessing. But y'all, you can't be a blessing if you haven't been blessed. You can't give what you don't have. We're commanded to feed the hungry and clothe the naked. So if we haven't been blessed with food and clothing or provision, how can we then give it? God wants you to prosper. He wants you to seek first the advancement of the kingdom. He wants you to be the light in the darkness. He wants you to be the salt of the earth. Amen? He just wants to prosper you for the right reasons. And all kinds of good. God is good. Not some of the time. Oh, someone's taught you well. But listen, and, and what he is produces what he does. God's not your enemy. God's not trying to trip you up. God's not against you. There's three forces in the world. There is God who is good, not some of the time all the time. There is Satan who is bad, not some of the time, all the time. And in between the two get is who? And sometimes we good. And sometimes we crazy. And if we're being really honest, the truth is most of your problems came from you. It didn't even come from the devil. Stop giving the devil more credit than he deserves. Now, we, we make bad decisions, and then we're like, where was God? Uh, telling you not to do it the whole time. <laughs> don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Oh, you did it. Okay, let's clean up that mess. Right? No, the night Jesus was born, God declared, from him to you is health, welfare, prosperity, and every kind of good. Health, welfare, prosperity, and every kind of good. Why don't you say it with me? Come on, health welfare, prosperity, every kind of, that was nice. You're like, 
Oh, health, welfare, prosperity. Why, why, let's try it again. Come on. Health, welfare, prosperity. Okay. You know, in the Bible, we, I mean, us Christians, we love threes because like three is the, you know, when Jesus rose again, we love all that. So the third time's the charm. Why don't you say it like you believe it this time, okay? Like, even if you don't believe it, say, like you're try, say it like you're trying to convince yourself to believe it, okay? On the count of three, say it with me. One, two, three. Health, welfare, prosperity, and every kind of good. I was kidding. Let's try it one more time. Health, welfare, prosperity, and every kind. Okay, last time, and then we'll be done with it. Say it one more time, but with conviction and passion. Health, welfare, prosperity, and every kind of good. Okay, now say it without me, okay? From God to you every day, every moment, every month, every year, for the rest of your life is health, welfare, prosperity, and every kind of good. When you go to work tomorrow, the peace of God is meeting you in your office. When you're helping your kids with their schoolwork, the peace of God will be empowering you to do it with wisdom, with provision, with knowledge. When you're opening a new business or going back to school or applying to get a new house, the peace of God is going with you in everything you do from God toward you. And there is nothing you can do to change it. There's nothing your past can do to change it. There's nothing the devil can do to change it. There's nothing your ex can do to change it. From God to you is health, welfare, prosperity, and every kind of good. My God, can we give him a shout of praise? Oh, I like this church. You all are fun. So Philippians 4 Verse 7 says, And the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your heart and mind. In the first service, I taught us how to win the battle of our mind. Now, now hear me. In the next service, I'm going to teach that message again. So a bunch of you that came to the, this second service, I'm going to ask you to stay for the next service. It's a totally different message, and you need to hear it. Some of you are like, oh, my God. You want me to go to church twice? Yes. A little double Jesus on a Sunday is not going to do you any harm, okay? And I promise, I promise the restaurant will take your money after the third service. If your debit card will go through, they will serve you food. The, the waiter will take your tip. Amen? Amen. So you just stay and invest in your life. Amen. So it, the Bible says that the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind. So let's talk about your heart. I need you to understand that there is a daily battle taking place for rule of your heart and your mind. It's a daily battle. Every day the enemy is trying to get control of your heart and your mind. Now, in your heart, the devil is trying to get you to lose heart. He wants you to lose heart, because when you lose heart, you quit. When you lose heart, you stop believing. When you lose heart, you stop trying. When you lose heart, you resign to fate, to hopelessness. 
sounds like this. What's the use anyway? Have you ever heard the phrase half-hearted or their heart just wasn't in it? That's no way to live, is it? Just going through the motions. Well, another Monday. More Fridays, less Mondays. <laughs> the devil's trying to get you to lose heart so that your heart will be ruled by negativity, by doubt, by hatred, hard-heartedness, all in an attempt to get you to lose hope and give up on your faith. Everywhere in the Gospels that in the King James Version, Jesus said, be of good cheer, it is literally translated to take heart. If you can lose heart, that means you can also take it back. I wonder if there's an area of your life today that you've lost heart. Could it be in your finances? Could it be in your physical health? It just, I'll just never get back to being in shape or feeling good. Could, could it be in a relationship? Could it be in your marriage? Could it be in an adult child that you raised in the church and raised in serving the Lord and they are not? Could it be in your believing to get past the anxiety, to get past the depression? Here, I'll tell you the symptoms of losing heart. Well, you know, me and my depression. Me and my anxiety. That sounds to me like someone who has given up and has received something they were never meant to receive. That doesn't mean that the depression, the anxiety is not real. But you don't have to take possession of something that God didn't give you. Amen? <laughs> to lose heart means to grow weary, to become discouraged, to become frustrated, bitter, weak, worrisome. And your heart represents your passion, your desires, your beliefs, your excitement, or lack thereof. Proverbs 4.23, very famous scripture, says, Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of your life. Hear me now. What is in your heart will determine what's in your life. What is in your heart will choose your words, it will choose your attitude, it will choose your response, it will make your choices for you. And you will reap the consequences, good or bad, happy or sad, positive or negative. And it all rests from what's in your heart. That's why the, the, the writer here said, above all else, guard your heart. Now let me ask you a question. Whose responsibility is it to guard your heart? It's ours. Now I'm going to show you how to do it. 
Because God, let's remember, sets us up for success, not failure. Amen? But he says, with all diligence. That means that we got to guard our heart today, and then tomorrow we got to guard our, guard, our, guard our heart. And then what do we need to do on Tuesday? Guard our hearts. And well, but Jared. Can I tell you something? The world is unrelenting in trying to destroy your life. So you have to be unrelenting in overcoming the world. With all diligence. That is a redundant statement. Because diligence is all-encompassing. There's no such thing as sort of diligent. No, if you're not diligent all the way, you are not diligent. Well, I'm kind of disciplined. No, you are either disciplined or you're not. Like it's, There's no in-between on diligence. The very essence of what diligence is is that you are all-diligent. So then why is it redundant? It's because he's placing emphasis. Because those negative articles are coming at us every day. Right now, it's inflation and gas prices and Ukraine. Next year, it'll be something and something and something. The next year, it'll be who you're voting for. Well, I don't like this one. I don't like that one. Do we like any of them? I'm not sure. <laughs> but it will be something. And Jesus is telling us every day, all day, guard your heart. And how do you guard your heart? With his peace. Because no matter what's going on, from him to you is what? Health, welfare, prosperity, and every kind of good. And whose president doesn't change it? Who's in Congress doesn't change it? What city you live doesn't change it. God is not bound by man. He is not bound by geography. Amen? Amen. So the battle to win and guard our hearts. Let's take a look at how we do that. Number one, how do you do it? You must train yourself to stop listening to the contrary voice of others. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 1. Let's go Old Testament. So this is Moses recapping what happened when he led the nation of Israel to the promised land. Verse 28, he says, where can we go up? Listen to what the nation of Israel said. Our brethren have discouraged our hearts. The nation of Israel had God's promise literally in sight. They're standing at the border of the land that flows with milk and honey, the land of provision and promise. God has sent 12 plagues to deliver them from Pharaoh. He has split the Red Sea. Every night, a pillar of fire has come into the middle of the camp to keep three million people warm. In the morning, that pillar would go up into the sky and become a cloud to give them shade in the desert. Food has been dropping down from heaven. A rock is pouring out water to give them thirst, to quench their thirst. And ten guys come back and go, oh, 
there's giants in the land. We can't do this. And three million people go, you're right. We can't do it. Ten men discouraged the hearts of three million. It is so easy to allow other people's disbelief become our disbelief. It is so easy to allow other people's fear to become our fear. It's so easy to allow other people's stress to become our stress. <gasps> hey, babe, Susie at work told me I'm so worried about it. You weren't worried about it this morning. Why are you worried about it now? The nation of Israel immediately forgot that God was on their side. And they, listen, they walked away from the promise. Not God. He was ready. And 40 years later, he would do exactly what he said he would have done. But a whole generation missed out because they lost heart. It's so easy. Look at what it goes on to say. It says, they discouraged our hearts, saying, the people are greater and taller than we. The cities are fortified to the heavens. To the heavens? To the heavens. To the heavens. To the heavens. It's amazing how negativity will exaggerate. Boy, have we seen that in 24 months, haven't we? But it got on us, didn't it? The exaggeration of people and leaders. And if we're telling the truth, it got in all of us. Fortified to the heavens. I'm sure those walls were tall, but they were not to the heavens. <laughs> to the heavens. <laughs> Satan will always try to make the challenge look insurmountable. Why? So that you'll quit. You'll just give up. You'll just lose heart. You'll lose peace. And you'll walk away. Stop coming to church. Stop giving your offering. Stop serving. Stop trying in your marriage. Stop giving the compliment. Stop going to work and putting your best effort. Stop being faithful over little so God can make you ruler over. You just, you walk away. And then he'll convince you that you've been defeated when the truth is you just quit. But let me remind you, church, God is still greater. Jesus is still sitting on the throne. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. God will meet all your needs. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. With God on your side, you shall not lose. Why? Because from him to you is what? Health, welfare, prosperity, and every kind of good. So when those contrary voices come, you reject them, and keep believing what God told you. Don't lose heart, take heart. Amen? Number two, watch this. So you believe the contrary voice, then you become discouraged. And discouragement leads to disappointment. 
The Bible says in Proverbs 13, verse 12, that unrelenting disappointment makes the heart sick. And remember, we got to guard our hearts. Right? Unrelenting disappointment, one translation says, hope deferred, makes your heart sick. Your heart, it's pollution, it's poverty to your soul. What is disappointment? Disappointment is a failure of hope. Right? You had a positive expectation, it didn't happen, and now you are disappointed. First thing you need to understand is that God is not the God of disappointment, God is the God of the appointment. Now let's all agree on something. Disappointment can be unrelenting, can't it? It's amazing how disappointment seems to come in waves. Am I right? It's like one thing will happen, and it's like here's another, another, and another. It's like almost like you're caught in the tide and the waves are just hitting you. Have you ever been in a season like that? And there's times when you don't even know what to pray in those seasons. You're like, God, can I just have a good day? I'm, uh, you know what, God, can I just have a good morning? Like, I'm not even asking you for the year. How about we just get through Monday? No, I mean, let's be real. I don't think it's every day, but there are times in life where it feels like it's just one after another after another. And the pain and the hurt and the betrayal and the lies and the where were you, and the what happened, and why didn't you? But I thought and I prayed, what happened? And all of it's designed by the enemy to pollute your heart. Why? So that you will lose heart. And so that the peace of God will separate from you, and you will quit and give up in life. Romans 15, verse 33, it says this. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in your believing. I don't think it's any coincidence that hope and peace are divinely connected. But church, hear me. Anytime your life comes to a moment of disappointment, you have a choice to make. You are at a crossroad. And no matter how deep that disappointment is, no matter how unrelenting it is, here's the choice. Are you going to run away from God or are you going to run to God? It's your choice. The consequences are radically different. And you can run away from God and you can lose heart, you can allow your heart to be polluted. And you can go live a life of fear, of disappointment, of frustration, of discouragement, of loss, of pain. Or you can run to God. Where he says, cast all your cares upon me, for I care for you. Come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in your time of need. He says, be anxious for nothing. Instead, 
Call out to me. Pray about everything. Rejoice in the Lord always. The choice is yours. And the truth is, is in those moments, your flesh will tell you, I don't want to pray. But when you don't want to pray is when you need to pray the most. Your flesh will tell you on a Saturday after a whole week, I don't want to go to church. When you don't want to go to church is when you need to go to church all day on Sunday. Sometimes at two in the morning, when you're laying in bed and that darkness, that pain, that insecurity is trying to drive your mind and your heart crazy is when you need to get out of bed and open up this Bible and say, God, speak to me. Help me. I need you right now. That pastor from Texas said that you declared peace, but I don't know where it is, so I need you to give it to me. I'm here, Jesus. But I don't want to get out of bed. Well, bed ain't helping you in that moment. You're sitting there terrified, sweating through the pillow. What you've been trying ain't working. Why don't you try something new? Amen. Now watch this, last one. It all builds. Disappointment then leads you to be overwhelmed by the circumstance. What happened with David, nation of Israel? They're standing there and there's this one giant named Goliath. And an entire army will not go out and fight one man. And little old David comes out, bringing food to his brothers. Hey, I'm here. And he hears that he can marry the king's daughter and get paid for it. And he's like, I'll do it. And what does he tell Saul in 1 Samuel? He says, let no man's heart fail because of him. Except the truth is it already had. Their hearts had already fallen. They had already failed. They wouldn't fight. But David says, mm -mm. sounds like this. Oh, the whole world's against me. Everybody's talking about me. Nothing ever works out for us. You know, we're not from that city. No, all the men in my family act this way. Well, I mean, I guess, you know, I mean, our marriage isn't where I should have known. I mean, all the marriages in my family. Nobody from here ever does that. I'm not good enough. I'm not, no, Jared, I hear you, but I'm not smart enough. No, Jared, God won't forgive me. You don't understand what I've done. You want to know what that is? That is the symptom of a fallen heart. And when your heart fails, you, you won't fight anymore. The, the nation of Israel wouldn't fight. They wouldn't walk into the promised land because their hearts failed. Now hear me, church. I'll never pretend to know everything you all have been through. There's people inevitably, you've been through horrible things. Horrible, pain, abuse, rape, 
loss, tragedy, failed business, whatever it is. I'll never understood, but I can tell you this, God does. And even in the midst of all of that, he has still declared over your life peace. He has declared for you health, welfare, prosperity, and every kind of good. That's why Jesus said in John 16, in me, you will have peace. In the world, you'll have trouble. And then he says, but take heart. I've overcome the world. Sometimes in life, church, you just have to take heart. Sometimes in life, you just have to decide you're not going to quit. You're not going to give up. I think there's times in life where you can't even see the end of the road, so all you can do is take one more step. But guess what you got to do? Take the step. And after that, you take one more. And you just try one more time. You pray one more prayer. You come to church to hear one more message. But whatever you do, don't quit. Don't give up. Don't give up on yourself. Don't give up on your family. Don't give up on your dreams. Don't give up on your God. Because the God of the universe loves you. He cherishes you. And from him to you, even in the worst moments, he is still delivering, say it with me, health, welfare, prosperity, and every kind of good. Give God a shout of praise. (laughs) Bow your heads, close your eyes. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus. I went a little over my time, but hear me. Maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus. You don't have a relationship with the Lord. You've never made Jesus Lord over your life. Right here, right now, you can secure your eternity in heaven. You can have all your sins forgiven. Jesus can come into your heart and you can leave here knowing that no matter what happens, you're going to heaven. You're a child of God. Or maybe you're here today and you just know in your heart you're not right with God. Like you might believe that Jesus is Lord, but he's never been your Lord. You might believe that he's the savior, but he's not your savior. You're not right with God and you're broken, you're hurting, you're lost, you might even be tormented. You know you need a change. You just didn't know that the change starts with getting right with God. So here we are. I'm gonna lead the whole church through what's called the prayer of salvation. And if you're here today and you've never prayed this prayer, I implore you to do so. Or maybe you're here today and, and, some, and, and you just know you're not right with God. But you can get right. You don't have to go get right on your own to come to the one who is right. Jesus says, come to me and I'll make you right. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna count to three. And if you'd say to me, Jared, I wanna pray that prayer. Jared, I wanna go to heaven. I want my sins forgiven. I wanna make Jesus Lord of my life. Jared, I wanna get right with God. I've done it my own way and it's not working. I'm gonna do it God's way now. On the count of three, and there's gonna be a lot of you because you know you need to do this. Boldly raise your hand up before we pray. One, two, three. Come on, raise them up. Thank you, God bless you. Whole family right here, thank you. Raise them up, raise them up. I see you little dude back there in the blue. I love that, man. You are awesome. Awesome. All over the room, so many of you. Okay, say this prayer with me. Repeat after me, the whole church. Don't leave them by themselves. Say this, Heavenly Father, I give you my life, my heart, and my soul. I make Jesus my Lord and my Savior. Forgive my sins and put my past behind me. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Church, as we stand to our feet. Give Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. If you want more information about LifePoint or want to get in contact with us, please visit us at www.lpc.is. We hope you have an awesome week. Grace and peace.